This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs, and we are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Enter in code Negro to save 10% on your next order. Motherfuckers, I love you guys. Thank you guys for, for listening. It's been a couple of weeks to all of our two listeners. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, <laughs> we haven't been here in a while. Um, couple of things um i went to dc i went to the the national african-american museum and it was fucking incredible um i'm sure i'll be talking about that at some point in time i'm working on an editorial for it and i'll be able to put some pictures up soon um the other reason it's been a while since you guys heard from me a nigga laptop just died (laughs) and it wasn't for porn i promise um but like (laughs) the laptop died we're back we're back in rotation and i have a guest with me today uh one two one two say your name Brittany Davis. All right. And who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? I don't know. You just invited me. Okay. Well, you do a lot of <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot of dope shit. You do a lot of dope shit. So tell us about wow. some of the some of the things that you're doing in the Columbia, South Carolina, and hopefully regional area as far as like event programming and things like that. Yes. So I own Two B Social Society. I started it back uh, in August of last year. So we've been rolling for just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we host social events for young professionals in the Columbia area, and as you said, we are working our way around in the regional area. Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, we started our first event in November called Single AF. It was a really big hit because we don't do anything uh, typical. So it wasn't like speed dating. It was actually adult game, um, adult play date is what we call it. Adult play date. Yes. Single AF, single as fuck, adult play date mixer. Okay. So so what does that entail? Do people have to pay to get in? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, they do. They pay to get in. Um, however, it's, it's singles. <laughs> We're hoping everyone's <laughs> single, right? And then um, you actually get to know people in a group setting. So it's not one-on-one. So that way it takes the pressure of like getting to know people or shooting your shot, so to speak. Um, <laughs> so you can shoot your shot a little bit more discreetly. So everyone, we have adult gameplay. We don't call it activities or games. We say adult gameplay. Mm-hmm. And so it's creative. Um, we have like never have I ever we play the traditional version so that way you're learning people in a group setting of like eight to ten people mm. um versus sitting down trying to get to know somebody in five minutes. so has a never have I ever game gotten like kind of weird to make people uncomfortable it's never made anyone uncomfortable it's actually made people closer so we've had like groups that literally because what we do is every time we play a game or every time we do the adult gameplay we switch the groups so you have to go into a new group ah. and every time groups want to stay together okay <laughs> because now their secrets are out and <laughs> they're out and so now they're like no I don't want I don't want to I don't want to trade groups. I don't want to get to know anybody else. I want to get to, I want to stay in the group. So, so is that, you think that's the secret to dating? It's like, you know, Hey man, I meet somebody. Let me tell you all my flaws, get them out the way right now. And if you still down with me, it makes it easier. Do you think that's I totally agree. To that? I yeah. think, I think real conversations are not happening enough. Mm-hmm. especially in this society like especially in the day and age that we're in now because everybody's on snapchat like everybody's in a snapshot like way of living that no one's actually having what happens after the snap which is funny because it's like you know i was having this conversation with my friend the other day where it's like this is 
the information age where people have the most access to information. Yeah. But the nuance on how to handle the information, Agreed. people don't know what to do with it. I just had a conversation with my son this morning mm-hmm. about having being like overly stimulated mm-hmm. that we have so much information and our brains aren't necessarily computing. So we're actually becoming more distracted mm-hmm. and more like um, we're actually not being productive, as productive as we should. Absolutely. Be. Yeah, because we have way too much content. That's why it's like it's funny. Like you know, we're recording this in my little home studio, or whatever. And people, which I love, by the way. Well, thank you, thank you. And <laughs> but a lot of people are like, "Yo, you should like do a bunch of your work out of your house." And I'm like, "Man, that's just too much temptation." You know what I mean? It's it's like the TV's here, the the PS4 is here, Pornhub.com is here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like oh it's like but, but but I think but I think there's something to the idea of turning the stimulation off. So yeah. it's like, do you have moments where you're basically like, "All right, you know." Um, I'm not going to sleep with my phone in the bed. I'm going to put it away, that type of thing. Like, do you, What's your self-care that you give yourself to kind of like detach? So I probably about a year ago, I actually started using an old-fashioned alarm clock. Wow. So, yeah, a year ago. So I actually took away the alarm, like me using my phone mm-hmm. um, for the alarm. Because what happened is the first thing that I would do is I would turn the alarm off and then I would look at my phone. Mm. So I didn't have like any quiet time. I didn't have any time of like meditation, no time with God, like none of that. Mm-hmm. So I went to the alarm clock, which has been really great. And then also what I do is when I charge my phone, I actually charge it away from my bed on the floor. So I wow. don't feel the vibrations. I don't see the light. I don't do any of that. And I keep my phone on silent because I also don't like the ding yeah the ding like promotes you it like almost provokes you not provokes but provokes you to want to check and want to and so yeah. every second that goes by you're like that could be important it could be important and really it's it's not that important it's it's funny because it's like all these generations prior to us their goal was to connect as much as possible you yeah. know what i mean it's like sure. it's, it's like you know you listen to <laughs> you you listen to a lot of like uh the old black folks who you, that i grow up with they'd be like oh man you know uh such and such dad can have a whole new family yep you know 30 minutes away <laughs> because i know she ain't driving 30 minutes either <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. and so like the idea you can't do that now. exactly you know so so it's like back then i think the idea was wow we need to connect more mm-hmm. and now um the idea is we need to disconnect more. We need to we need to like go back outside. You know what I'm saying? Like kids, so kids would rather yeah. stay, you know, in the house than than to go and play. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think even as an adult, as adults, like we have a hard time. There's there's actually the more that I've gotten into the industry of like events in Columbia, there's actually a lot of things going on. But the thing is, well, I don't say that there are a lot of things going on. However, people don't like to get out anymore. Mm, it's yeah. literally like they like the same schedule: go to work, go to church go to the grocery store, go to a friend's house, and then go home. Well, you know what, though? And that was kind of one of the things where, you know, the NFL was, like, beating up on Kaepernick a bunch. It was just like, oh, well, you know, the the statistics or the the attendance at the games are down because this nigger's kneeling. And I'm like, well, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think the NFL specifically compared to other uh, uh, professional sports in America, the NFL embraces the concept of everybody suffering together, right? So it's like you do a game in Green Bay or Chicago and it's negative 20 degrees, motherfuckers are outside. You know what I mean? They're outside and they're not in domes where it's warmed up like you're freezing and your ticket prices are insane and it's like $40 to get a hamburger and a beer and motherfuckers are like, yo, I can just stay home. <laughs> like I can stay home yeah. and watch this on the on the, on the uh, what do you call it, the 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 red channel or whatever they call yeah. it, where you can just watch all the games in the comfort of your home. And I think like now, same thing that's happening with Hollywood. 
where you got like Spielberg getting angry at Netflix movies mm-hmm. being nominated and winning Oscars. You know, he's trying to ban them from being nominated. And I'm like, yo, the way that we consume art and information is different. So outside of like Marvel movies, you can see uh, Hollywood is taking a hit because people can just stay yeah. home and watch this. You know what I mean? I feel like people are missing also like the the essence of experience. Absolutely, yeah. Like that's what you're missing. So yeah, the convenience is yeah. Of course, I can stay home. I can like stay in my warm home and I can watch a freezing cold game, right? Mm-hmm. I can you know stay at home and be in the comfort of my bed under my like awesome fur that I have on my bed right this now. This nigga got a fur? <laughs> yeah, I, I like, I like, it's like the humble brag. This nigga like, it, it was, but I love it. It's like my had, bed. No, it's like, no, I don't have a TJ Maxx comforter. I have a fur. I like. have a fur on my bed. But no, like, I yes, I can stay and I can watch these movies, you know, for hours and hours and hours. Yes. Hmm. But there is something about getting up, putting on clothes, paying your ticket at the box, going in the movie theater, sitting at a selected seat, or mm-hmm. getting annoyed because someone's talking or haven't turned on their phone, whatever. There's a certain type of experience like that I feel like we miss out on, yeah. that I feel like also is coming back because it's went away for so long that there's people are actually doing really well when they're bringing back an essence of experience. You know, it's, it's funny. It's like, there's a psychological effect, right? Where yeah. it's like, if... If uh, if I like like a, a Snickers bar, mm-hmm. and I'm like I love Snickers bars so much, I I'm gonna make it myself. So like mm-hmm. even if I got all the ingredients, all the instructions to make a fucking Snickers candy bar, the you know the way it's it's made, I taste it. <clears throat> it's never gonna taste the same. Yeah. Because psychologically, going to the store, mm-hmm. buying it off the shelf, sure. opening the wrapper. All that is a part of part the taste. Of you know what I mean? And, yeah. and so it'll never taste the same. You I know agree. what I mean? So you can even you know what? It's so funny. That's a really good analogy because you can also think about that as far as dating in 2019. Mm. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Mm. Like it's almost like the well, Go to of, the store, buy your girl, take her out the No, okay. <laughs> not not quite. Not quite. Shout but out to just, Robert Kraft. <laughs> but like really, like what has happened, I mean, don't I'm I believe in online dating. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe in the reason why I believe in online dating is because I believe in the day and age that we're in, we're so busy. Mm -hmm. It puts you in a pool of people, of like-minded people that you wouldn't typically pass by on the street every day, Mm -hmm. right? So that's why I like online dating. However, the other part that I don't like about online dating is it takes away the experience. It takes away meeting someone in person, having that like awkward moment of like, should I talk to her? Yeah. Should I say so hello? Should I smile? Should I give her my mm. number? Is she, is she really into me? It, it, you like miss that part, right? So then once you get the number, then misses the conversation and asking out. Like who, when's the last time you asked out a girl? Um, like legit and not via text message. When's the last time you asked someone out? I mean, that's via text message. That's weird. Like how do you like ask a girl out via oh, text message? Oh, it happens message? all the time. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think, the new the new age just like how he hasn't answered the question well listen look look, look here man it's my podcast nigga (laughs) (laughs) I'm not fucking Manafort uh, (laughs) they're questioning me Congress and shit Um, I think is first and foremost you know women can always find new ways to reject men. So whether it's in person, like and guys feel like it's easier to text or, or email, like like you could always find new ways to, to to reject people. Like I you know, I think it's hilarious. But I think I think that there's different ways for all of it. It's like it's sometimes you're in a situation where you you communicate with people digitally and something kind of like comes out of that. Like my very first relationship I was I was ever in 
And I was like 17 years old through OK Player, which is the website that uh, Questlove started. So like, I have no driver's license, I have no car, but it's this chick. I said, oh my God, she's dope, blah, blah, blah. Oh, he's dope, you know? And it was this organic thing. This is like, you know, Black Planet days. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that you love about the idea of meeting people in person. Um, but I might be the wrong person to ask because I totally feel like I'm devolving so like you know I, I, was, I was joking with you about this the other day where it's like years ago if there was an episode of like Seinfeld where Jerry was talking to George and George Costanza was like going out and about wearing sweatpants and Jerry's like what's going on with the sweatpants and he's like oh, I'm comfortable and Jerry was basically like when you wear sweatpants in public you're telling the world I give up you know <laughs> and I thought that was funny like yeah. years ago I was like oh I'm gonna wear me polos and Jordans and I still wear the Jordans but I'm trying to dress up and be cute now Man, dog, I gotta go see Robert Glasper tonight. And I'm debating on whether or not I'm gonna wear sweatpants for that. So <laughs> so what I wanna do is I wanna destigmatize the the chill out gear and, and I wanna have like a, a sweatpants and hoodie social. And the only reason I'm saying this publicly because I don't want nobody to steal this shit so I can have like a timestamp to say that I did okay. this for you know what I mean? But but I think it's kind of what you're saying that I think is I tell artists this, is that the industry finds a way to adapt or die. Where back in the day, you gotta sell your records, you gotta sell your CDs. Now the the game has shifted, so there's a streaming thing. Mm. So if you're a musician and you're just trying to sell records, it's not gonna work. So what you have to sell as a musician is experiences. And I think that that's where great programming comes in. You know what I mean? I it's like, like if people, you know, they have to be convinced to get the fuck out of the house and a great experience is something with that. You know sure. what I mean? So what what got you into doing programming here? So how long you been in Columbia? I've been here a little over two years, I guess. All right, so you got here, and he's like, you know, I want to just do some shows here because these niggas is boring. It's like that. Is that how? I mean, kind of. No, (laughs) (laughs) no. I mean, mean, nobody (laughs) wear furs and they band like I do. Actually, what's funny is so like the first year, I was like completely depressed to be quite honest because oh, wow. I really didn't want to move here. Um, I moved because a lot of things had um, transpired um, back home. I was in corporate America for a really long time, and so I'd done really well for like um, 12, 13 years, and then I resigned because I wanted to do my own thing. And doing my own thing um, didn't move as quickly as I needed it mm-hmm. to. And so anyways, I ended up moving here and started out helping my father uh, with what he was working on, his projects that he was working on. Anyhow, so the first year I was like completely depressed because mm-hmm. I had my son. My son was 13 at the time. And so I've been on my own since I was 19. Mm-hmm. And so the first year I was like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I'm like in this situation type thing. And so after that, I was like, okay, fuck it. I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. I got to figure out what it is that I want to do for the rest of my life. Because I've always said the moment I turned 30, every day I wanted to wake up and do what I love from the time that I turned 30. And so I wasn't quite doing that. And so I wanted to go back to school, which I did, but I didn't want to go back to work traditionally. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that I would take all of my experiences with strategic marketing and event management and I would do it in Columbia because I saw that the social scene was it was redundant. It was like repetitive. It was the same thing. It was either um, blacks had their 
their social events and mm-hmm. then whites had their social events and they had their like the vistas and the five points which i love but mm-hmm. you didn't really see the integration of races like you didn't see indian latino you didn't see any of the cultures yeah. like coming together which i'm so used to in florida and so even though i started to be and right now it it does have a very um black culture essence to it mm-hmm. but eventually i do want to diversify it because you know at the end of the day everybody loves our culture yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, <laughs> like, like, I was, man, shit, I was watching uh, Bill Maher last night, and he was, like, getting angry about the term cultural appropriation, and he's just mm-hmm. like, oh, white people want to wear dreads, how is that hurting anyone? And I was like, dude, you, you can't, he's a brilliant dude, you can't be brilliant and then conveniently dumb when you want to be conveniently yeah, dumb, sure. you know what I'm saying? It's like, what what happens when... That's part of the privilege. Yeah, when there's, when there's like, a, a, a some woman in Brooklyn that that gets this spot and turns it into like a coffee shop mm-hmm. and and this is a gentrified area where move all the black people out and you got now mind you there's holes in the, in the wall this brick wall and she's posting the pictures like hey oh these are bullet holes you know uh uh from when i moved in come by and get yourself a drink by the you know by the table with the bullet holes now first and foremost wow. there weren't there weren't bullet holes it was basically uh big nails that you you know you have to put through like certain bricks or whatever but she was trying to like fabricate this story of Trying to get white people that's in Brooklyn now. Well, it's safe to walk through Brooklyn. Oh, oh, let's see artifacts of when niggers were niggering. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And that's cultural appropriation. Whereas yeah. it's not about you know white folks of different cultures embracing a different culture. Yeah, for sure. It's that when you're trying to profit off my pain, you know what I'm saying? And and let's let's be honest, these restaurants, you know, they're not employing black people. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're gonna profit off my pain and on top of that, you're not gonna employ my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing that really drives me fucking crazy. And I think that uh There's a lot of that here. Oh yeah, well that's what I and that's what I was getting to. And it's like, what are some of the challenges for you? I mean, because they I think about it like this. I think you're a minority of minority in the sense of in Colombia, there's not a lot of black folks doing shit. Mm-hmm. And then as a black woman doing this, like, what are some of the challenges that you're dealing with in that regard? Um, you, Honestly, <laughs> interesting enough, I get more challenges from our people than anything else. Like what? Um, so I have found very quickly that people don't really work together. Um, they would rather tear you down than to actually help you, um, like promote your business, um, or promote, like just promote experiences. Because one of the things that I did, like just really quickly, like I did a market like search and and survey just because I wanted to see, like, that's just my corporate side of me. And so there's 37,000 people from the age of 24 to 44. Mm. If your, if your building can only have, it only has the capacity of 400 or 500 or 300 or 100, that means that they the other 37,000 people have to go somewhere mm. because they can't all fit in your 400 capacity bi- building. So, I want to like the when you, when I think about like what you say as far as what are the challenges? The challenges really is the mindset of our people. Yeah. Because it's it's almost like why would you not support your own? It's already hard enough of us being black and in their world so to speak right yeah and then it's even harder when we're trying to do something good we're trying to create experiences we're trying to give quality and excellence and then i have to fight you because actually what's funny enough preach is that i don't have to fight i don't have any problems going into white businesses and getting them to say yes yeah yeah. 
I have no business because the thing is, they love our culture and they love us. They want to work with us, mm. but they want to work with us in the right way. And they're like, "Oh, you smell terrific. You probably <laughs> you probably sleep with a fur." Exactly. <laughs> they smell the fur on me. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> so it's like that's really the challenge that I have. It's it's our people, and so I I intentionally wanted to invade Vista in five points. Mm. I don't want to do any events outside of that area because I feel like, why should I have to? Mm -hmm. And then I also wanted to show those that were on the outside that you can come down here. You're just going to have to come down here in a certain way. And you're also going to have to be business minded as well, not just creative. Yeah. I think the the interesting thing too is that I tell people that the, the new the new Jim Crow isn't white people saying, get out of here, nigger. Mm. You know, the new Jim Crow is the inability of black people being able to congregate. Mm. And and what I mean by that is... That's the effects of the original Jim Crow. Well, you know, and, and well, the thing about it is, like, back in the day, they're like, oh, y'all can have y'all church. Y'all can be there. And, like, white folks didn't have a problem with that because in their mind, they're thinking that Christianity is a way to keep everybody calm. Yeah. So so if they're thinking, oh, oh yeah, go to the church. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the church. Yeah. But 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 there was something about mm-hmm. the black church in the South especially where you have, you know, the ideal of, you know, it was a community center. It mm-hmm. was it was where, you know, black folks had to come together and like, yo, somebody's sick, we're going to take care of them. Somebody hungry, we're going to take care of them. You know, um, you know, all the, the food drives and stuff like that. It was very, very community oriented. And the thing about it that that changed that relationship with the black church was kind of the same way that I feel about baseball mm. was the biggest thing that changed the power of the black church was integration. So when we're talking about the Negro League, where the Negro League had the best players in the world. They did. And, and what ended up happening was after integration, you know, the Negro League collapse. Mm-hmm. You have black owned teams, you have black businesses, you go into these you go into these cities, whether you're the Kansas City Monarchs and 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 you have games going on, you know, black hotels ended up getting money, yeah. black vendors got money, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was a it was a black economy that was involved For with sure. it. And and it kinda collapsed. And what I mean by that is now is that, you know, now it's really, really fractured where black folks are like I right, we want to do an event at a really cool spot mm-hmm. to really, really have an opportunity to to reach out to our people with a dope uh, backdrop. Mm-hmm. And these places, they, they price you out of it. You know what I mean? Like that's that, yeah. and that's why there's a lot of like black shit that happens in the city that are these whack ass places because because mm-hmm. I hear these I hear these arguments like yo I can't afford it. You know I can't come in here and I've dealt with it where I've gone into you know the convention centers of the world where. It's just all these arbitrary charges. And it was funny. It was a situation I was in one of these places. I'm not going to throw them on the bus, but it was one of those things where they're trying to like give you these like fake bills. Like, hey, you owe us like, you know, $10,000 for such and such. And then out of nowhere, they're just like, oh, you don't owe it anymore. You know what I mean? Because the right person comes in and say, oh, oh, just scratch that off. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So like, so, so you can tell. <clears throat> That a lot of this shit, you can pretty much, you know, make up what you want to make up. And that's and that's why I think that the important thing for me, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is is I think that the progression is threefold, right? Where I'm here, and this is one of the reasons why I, I got involved in politics here, because it was just like, all right, if I start off in the city as, a, as an artist, then the progression is going to be as a producer of events. Then the next step is going to be um, an owner of a venue slash have my hand in legislation. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So it's like, so it's like, 
I, I started as an <laughs> artist. Now my job should be in the position of helping other artists for sure. do their shit. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And so, you know, there's a there's an intention of like, yo, I I, I want to have a black owned business where it's a a place for us to congregate, even if it's not very big. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a welcoming environment. I wanted it to be like for people like us. You know what yeah, I mean? Like so sure. it's like, you know, hip hop has the ability of us having our uh <laughs> our classic rock stage where it's like all the hip hop we grew up on, you know, the people are old enough to have kids and have families and have four oh one Ks for people that have four oh one Ks. So there's a generation of hip hop that has matured and has survived and those people want to go out too. Yeah. You know, there's an event that I go to in Charlotte. There's two great Charlotte events. <clears throat> I think I was telling you about them. One is called Sukasa. Yeah. Shout out to my homegirl, Jay Z Attic, where it's basically every month it's like, yo, Afrobeat, it's house music, it's, it's this really great, great, like black and brown experience. Mm-hmm. And then there's another thing they do once a month called Off the Wall. And I went last week. Shout out to my homeboy, Justice, and, um, and my homeboy, uh, who's, who, who's my dude that's been out there? Oh my gosh, brain fart. Anyways, um, it was an event where uh, it was like Nas and Mary J. Blige night. Mm. So like all the old school rap niggas, DJ Shaquem, all the old school rap dudes, you got excited with a Nas record come on. Then all yeah. the black women got excited when, when Mary J. come on. <laughs> and then the DJ is like, yo, if you over 30 years old, make some noise. And everybody <laughs> cheered. That's I'm cool. like, that's kind of fresh. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm sure. saying? So, I don't know, like what... What's your goals as far as like uh, uh, being a programmer? Do you want to eventually own the type of like a property that house these events, or you want you like the idea of doing the pop up idea? I love the pop up mm-hmm. because I also a part of starting this was the exposure, and so I want to touch on something that you actually said earlier when mm-hmm. you start talking about um, just the integration and going out to these different places. I think that's why it's really important to know. Um, to know your craft and not just know it from a creative standpoint, but know it like professionally, know it like the ins mm-hmm. and outs, like the financial side, the administrative side, because like when you go into certain places, when you already know, they can't fight what you know. Yeah, They can fight you and they can minimize you on what you don't know. So if they say, hey, you got to pay for this or hey, it's going to be $1,200 an hour, mm-hmm. you can easily have a comeback and say, well, down the street, there's such and such and I'm bringing to you X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So they're more likely to to say, oh, this is somebody who knows what they're talking they go, about. Well, nigger, go down the street. <laughs> Goddamn coon. We don't serve church's chicken. I don't know why my racist white voice sound like John Wayne. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> Goddamn nigger. <laughs> but you know, it's really like, it, they may call you that, but one thing that one thing that happens when you walk into an environment and you know something, mm-hmm. they, have to, they have to respect that. Yeah. They can't fight that. Like they can't fight educate like an educated person. I I generally feel like that's that's true until I I look at this election cycle, where it's basically like <laughs> it's like I like to play this game called "What if Obama did it?" Where it's like if you take everything that like Trump has been doing mm-hmm. the past like two years, goddamn, it's been two years. That's crazy. And, and you're like. Man, if Obama did half of this stuff, he would have been impeached. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And, and so like I feel like I feel like the conversation is different, right? It's like it's like I'm less interested in um, convincing people. It's like for for an example, as a programmer here, there was all it was always a talk in Columbia where a lot of the the black music festivals they didn't fuck with hip hop music, mm-hmm. and me as a as a, a programmer, you would have sponsors 
put money behind all the events in the world, put money behind like St. Patty's, mm -hmm. which is sponsored by an alcohol company, yep. which gets like, I don't know, 50 plus arrests a year from public drunkenness. You, They have no problem finding sponsors. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing a hip hop event where I have like Grammy award winning artists every time I bring them. There's never been an issue. Like, like I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this. I'm 35. I've been doing shows since I was 14. So I've been mm -hmm. doing events in this city for over 20 years. Never had an incident. Never has been a fight. Never has been a broken glass. Mm -hmm. ne you know, never been a titty pop out. Nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and so I say that to say, what ends up happening is what you know. A lot of these like festivals and shit, they'll like make up all these excuses. Oh well, we don't deal with hip hop because of the language. And I'm like, well, that's bullshit because you have a lot of rock people with language. But if it's even if it's not hip hop, there's gospel. There's R&B, there's soul, there's house. Mm -hmm. Y'all just don't want to fuck with black music. And so my argument became with the city when I was dealing with the city to get money. He's like, yo, I'm not about to go and fuss at these festivals for not having the inclusion of black music anymore. Mm -hmm. Y'all need to just finance the, the people that care about that shit. And so like my approach now is like, I care less about trying to like convince, you know, white folks to, to play nice. And I'm more, I'm more convicted with like, yo, like let's figure out how to do this shit ourselves as much as possible and, and empower it. So it's like, you know, as much as that <laughs> the Killer Mike show on, on Netflix drove me crazy, I love the idea of, you know, buy Black Friday. So every Friday, mm -hmm. you know, go to a black business, order yeah. something, even if it's not a lot, you know? <laughs> and I post, you know, my shirts up every Friday. I'm like, look, support a black business even if that shit ain't mine. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And and I think that that kind of approach is is very, very effective but we just have to be intentional about it you know you know my father used to say when i was growing up he said well my parents really taught us um how to come in and come out so mm. they really always taught us no pull out <laughs> not not quite <laughs> not quite that uh, version but being able to like know how to associate yourself with all calibers of people mm. no matter the culture no matter the economic status it doesn't matter mm. and so because of that like my parents really taught taught us to master it, mm -hmm. and so sometimes what has harmed me in some ways, and I'm I, I believe I'm coming out in like the last couple of years, is that you know how to go in, mm -hmm. and it's almost like you remove your blackness mm -hmm. in order to go in, yeah, right? Yeah. So like because and especially I'm in corporate America, and I always say middle aged white men are my specialty because <laughs> I was around them, I, I was around them, and I was taught by them, and I like learned them from afar and up close and all that stuff, and not from that type of specialty. Um, <laughs> I wasn't saying that. Listen, I know I know that's what I know that's not what you meant, but you know I do feel like there's a level of them, you know. And I'm telling you, they you don't ran in the back of their heads about doing like, oh, she's not like the others, and oh, for she's, sure, she's quite exotic, you know, for sure. <laughs> but that's but that's also see the thing is, I think also as our culture, we have to learn how to use certain moments mm. for to gain the pieces of the game, mm. right? Mm. So there are certain things that they have and that they have done that has benefited them and business and and whatever success it is right finances financial education all of that stuff what happens is that we get offended prior to getting the piece of the puzzle mm. so what ends up happening when you're having to your point you say oh she's exotic she's whatever and i've had people i've literally on my review i remember my first vp that i worked for in my review, he said that I was personable because I was really, because I was attractive and friendly. That was in my review for my wow. work, at, right? 
So I said, well, that's interesting. I said, now what other great things do I do? Now, I didn't get offended because I knew what he had. Mm-hmm. And I knew, and this is the same guy who was completely racist but invited my father to go golfing with him. <laughs> and after six months after I was working there. Wow. The, the same man who came in who I would say good morning to for four weeks straight who wouldn't say good morning. And then the fifth week, he starts saying good morning to me. Yeah. So you get offended. Like, if I would have gotten offended, oh, what? Like, he, he has some problem with me. Mm-hmm. We go into this whole, like, defensive and we get offended prior mm-hmm. to getting the piece of the puzzle. Now, mind you, this man left. He retired two years. I worked for him to, for two years. Do you know I gained so much wealth of information about business and marketing and strategy that I, that I still use today? But if I had gotten offended the first week because he didn't say good morning to me mm-hmm. or because... I knew he was like the good old boy, the head of the whole, <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? If I had gotten offended, I wouldn't have gotten pieces of the puzzle. Well, I think, well, first of all, <clears throat> you know, we can always acknowledge that racists do have probably some great business sense sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like for sure. you know, yeah. but, but, but on the, the other end of it is, it's just kind of funny. It's just like, you know, we're, we're kind of built to kind of like know how to deal with the bullshit. You know what I mean? It's, 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 you know, but everybody doesn't deal with deal with well, my, well, well. The, the thing the thing about it though is too. I, I think it goes twofold. Where it's basically like you know, like I had an, a conversation with Nikki Giovanni, and she said like the greatest thing that black people have ever done is that we've survived. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. we're on them slave ships, and we made a decision to survive. Sure. So there's a lot of that that's in us, you know. And and what's happening now, and I think that you know, music and art. It's kind of ahead of it. It's sort of like I had to write this editorial about um, the Captain Marvel movie, and and um, everybody's getting really angry about it. And then I know you got to go in a second. Everybody's getting angry about the film um, because the the lead character in Captain Marvel, Brie Lawson, she made a comment saying, "Yo, there needs to be more women that are reviewing." superhero movies there need to be more people of color you know and all the white fanboys got mad at her you know attacked her you know and i'm like well she's right there needs to be more you know what i'm saying and so when i when i started the article off i thought about that picture of alexandra cortez um aoc her and the other two Mm. women of congress where they're like waiting to to talk to michael cohen yeah and they got that look in their face and i immediately said like that that's the i got next picture where it's basically like yo you know, this country's been like bullshitted by a lot of these old rich white guys. Sure. It's it's time for, you know, women and women of color to kind of take over and it's their time to be next. And so like what I'm seeing right now is you have people that that understand the game, that learn the game, that now all of a sudden like, all right, now we're in a position to to kind of very much move into these new roles, you know. Like, like the funny thing about Black Panther, like Marvel was like, God damn, niggers go to the movies. <laughs> Two billion dollars, right. goddamn. Right. It's like nigga, like Let's we know more. this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like we've been telling y'all motherfuckers this. This is nothing new. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I'm just I, I'm more optimistic when it comes to our people than a lot of other people kind of you know approach it, you know? I'm optimistic as well. I just like because I and you know it's the statement that you made and said that like now that we've learned the game the game now it's like we're next so to speak mm. that's how I feel yeah absolutely. I, I truly feel like everything that I've endured everything that I've learned everything that I've kind of watched back and other people get the position that were lighter skinned or whatever the case may be or were simply just because they were um, the nephew of the president or whatever the case may be right yeah now it's like I'm next. Absolutely. And when I say I'm next, I'm not going anywhere when I'm up. Like it's yeah. it's it. 
That's right, nigga. We ain't going nowhere, <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? We like herpes. You can't get rid of us. Oh, wow. No Valtrex is going to save you. No, no, I'm the worst. No, hype. I'm the worst hype man yeah. ever. That's quite yeah, You would get fired real quick. The, the whole crowd would be like, "Hush!" <laughs> like herpes. Yeah, we like the herpes. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. So I just I feel like I mean now is the time. Like I agree with you. Now is the time for black for the culture to really like operate in excellence. <laughs> Absolutely. To operate in excellence. And really do, like, learn your craft. I cannot, I tell them I, to my son, my son's 15, and I tell him all the time, like, learn your craft so that nobody knows it better than you, but always yeah. be open enough to learn from somebody else. And I think the interesting thing, too, is that I think a lot of people, they don't know what their craft is, right? Where yeah. it's like they're interested on so much shit that they don't understand. They don't, exactly. They don't understand what trade to kind of pull out of that mm-hmm. to learn. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm a big proponent of that. So it's like, you know, let's learn that shit. Let's move forward. I know you got to go. Um, so, fuck it. I think this is it. I'm going to keep drinking. I'm going to go see motherfucking Robert Glasper. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Priest Jacobs. We're sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Enter the code NEGRO to save 10%. You can find me on all social media at Preach Jacobs and at Mo Better Soul. Uh, what's your stuff where people can find you? Brittany Davis. My personal is at Meet Brittany D on all social media. And more importantly, I want you to go follow 2B Social Society. It is the number two, the letter B, Social Society. Follow us. We got events coming up. Matter of fact, March 16th, we have Friends Who Brunch. It's going to be every first and third Saturday. Super excited. If you love a good brunch, if you love a good day vibe, day party, uh, we're combining the two. So it's from 1130 to 5. So come check us out at Truth in the Vista. Bong. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you all both listeners. Thank you all for putting that with me. This is an evening.